Any journey that you take is made easier if you know your destination. I don't just mean practically in terms of knowing how to get where you're going. That's a necessity, of course. What I mean is that the difficulties of a journey are easier to bear if you know that you're actually going somewhere worthwhile. Imagine being stuck in the car all day long and having no idea where you're headed. Right? That sounds miserable, even frightening. But if you know that you're going to the beach for vacation, or you know that you're going to visit an old friend that you haven't seen in a long time, that long journey becomes tolerable and even a little bit exciting. And the same thing is true of metaphorical journeys, whether we're talking about earning a college degree or starting an exercise program or a diet or a medical treatment or anything else that we're trying to accomplish or have to endure. Difficult things in life are made easier if we have a goal in mind, if we have a reason for doing what we're doing. Then when things get tough, and they will, it helps us to know that there's a purpose to our struggle. It gives us the strength that we need to keep going. Now, Father encouraged us in his homily last Sunday to think about Lent as a journey, a specific kind of journey, a pilgrimage. And he even gave us a definition for pilgrimage. He says it's a dedicated, strenuous journey toward a religious destination. And he talked last week about that strenuous journey part. So this week, I want to talk about the destination. If Lent is a pilgrimage, then where are we going? Where are we going on our pilgrimage? We can begin by looking at where Lent actually comes from. Why do we have this season of penance in the church? It has its ancient origins in the Christian rites of initiation. It was, and still is, the final period of preparation before catechumens are baptized at Easter. And so a lot of the rituals and prayers that are particular to this season are oriented toward repentance and renewal because they're meant to prepare catechumens for that sacramental initiation into the church. So then why does a whole church observe Lent? Well, it's because our pilgrimage doesn't end at Christian initiation. Initiation is a beginning. We begin a new life at baptism. But that Christian journey continues throughout our life. And we're always in need of continuing conversion. And so for those of us who are already in the church, Lent is a reminder to be faithful to our baptismal promises. And that's why we renew them every year at Easter. But we still haven't answered the question. Where are we going on this pilgrimage? That same question must have been on the minds of Peter, James, and John as they followed Jesus up to the top of Mount Tabor. Where are we going, Lord? Why are you taking us on this strenuous journey? And when they finally reached the top, they saw Jesus transfigured in all his divine glory. Now, it's fair for us to ask, why would the church give us this gospel reading here towards the beginning of Lent? I mean, the Feast of the Transfiguration, we celebrate that in August. This is Lent. Lent is about penance 
Lent is about fasting and self-denial. Lent is ashes to ashes. It's Christ in the desert. It's the passion. It's the cross. The transfiguration is more like the resurrection. The transfiguration seems more like Easter. And that's exactly why it's here at the beginning of Lent. It's to show us where our pilgrimage will take us. And we can understand this a little bit more clearly if we read this gospel passage in its context. The transfiguration is in Matthew chapter 17, but I want to go back to Matthew chapter 16. And this is when, if we were in a Protestant church, I'd ask you to pull out your Bibles and flip back to me. Right? Matthew chapter 16, specifically where Peter proclaims for the first time that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of the living God. And we remember that moment because this is when Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom. But our Lord does something else here too. Matthew 16, 21 says, from that time on, from that time on, right, from the time that Peter publicly proclaimed Jesus to be the Christ, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter said, God forbid, Lord. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus revealed to the apostles the route and the destination of his pilgrimage. He was going to be killed and then rise from the dead. That was his destination. Not death, but resurrection. Death was part of the journey, but resurrection, that's the destination. And I'm sure Peter had no problem with the destination. He just didn't like how Christ said he was going to have to get there. And that's why Jesus rebuked him. And that's why, a few verses later, in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus tells the disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you want to go where I'm going, this is the way. I am the way. To be a baptized Christian is to be a part of this body of Christ. That's what baptism makes you. It makes you a member of his body. Do you know what that means? Do you want to know what it means to be a member of his body? Look at the body. Look at his body. It's stripped naked. It's beaten and it's nailed to a cross. When you're baptized, that's what you're signing up for. Jesus is very upfront about this. You can't accuse him of false advertising. He says, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You want to follow Jesus? Then deny yourself. Take up your cross. As Christians, this is our journey. This is our pilgrimage. But it's not our destination. That's the background for today's gospel, which begins in Matthew 17. 
And actually, the first part of the verse of Matthew 17, 1 isn't included in our gospel reading today, but it starts after six days. After six days. After six days of what? After six days of telling his apostles that you have to take up your cross, of telling them that I have to go to Jerusalem and I have to suffer and I have to die before I rise from the dead. After six days. Now, what other phrase does this call to mind? After six days. Genesis. The six days of creation. After six days, what does God do? He rests. He rests on the seventh day. And after six days of telling the disciples that they have to take up their cross and follow him, what does Christ do? Does he rest? No. He says, Peter, James, John, get up. We're going mountain climbing. No rest for the weary, right? (laughs) But the transfiguration is connected to that Sabbath day. It is connected to that Sabbath rest. Because what God did on the seventh day as he rested was he beheld the goodness of his creation. He looked at what he had made and he saw that it was good. And what Jesus showed to Peter, James, and John on that seventh day was the pinnacle of God's creation. He showed them the height of the goodness that God made us for. He showed them the very part of creation that God made in his own image, man, radiating with the fullness of that divine image. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. God made us to be in communion with him, and that communion was broken by sin, and then it was restored in Christ not just restored, but glorified, because now it's not just a moral union that we have with God, but a true union of body and spirit, human and divine natures commingled in the person of Jesus Christ, Son of Man and Son of God. St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is man fully alive in what Peter, James, and John saw on that mountain was man fully alive. They saw the destination. It isn't suffering. It isn't death. It isn't the cross. Those are just things that we have to pass through along the way. The destination is glory. It's life. It's beatitude. And knowing that makes the trials of our journey easier to bear. It gives us a reason to be on this pilgrimage. That's why Jesus gave his closest friends this privileged glimpse of what lies beyond the veil of his suffering. It was to strengthen them, to endure their own suffering when that was to come. And it's why the church gives us this glimpse of Easter here at the beginning of Lent. So that in the midst of our penance, whether we're talking about our self-imposed penances or that penance that's imposed on us by our circumstances, but in the midst of that, we can be strengthened by hearing the words of Jesus telling us, rise and do not be afraid. The gospel tells us that the apostles at these words looked up and saw only Jesus. Jesus is the way, and he's also our destination. He's our companion on this journey, 
And he's the one to whom we ascend as we climb this holy mountain. In the trials and the triumphs of our pilgrim life on earth, may we be strengthened by this same vision of our eternal destination. In our joy and in our sorrow, may we look up and see only him.